Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday to all of you. Appreciate you joining in. Really quickly, want to get this out here for our radio friends. Uh, previously recorded a little bit earlier today. We're not in studio is the problem. Uh, that's not a problem per se. It's work's being done. They're making it even more beautiful and adding to the equipment and doing all this good stuff. But they need that space for the next couple of days. So Tom and I did this from the house with the roadcasters. And uh, if you're wanting video, I guess, Tom, we just have the audio for video, right? And then yeah. uh, also the podcast will be up. So there are lots of different ways. We're taking a page out of the Wake Up War Champ playbook where we're putting this entire show up on YouTube. And there's just going to be one picture of the logo of the show that's on the YouTube channel. But you will get a video of us talking about the transfer portal and another position group today for Florida State. That's going to look the traditional way of our portal prognostication. That'll be coming up on these airwaves as well in the next hour. We're talking about the offensive line today for Florida State. Florida State has been selected to play in the Cheez-It Bowl. We speculated about the Cheez-It Bowl all of last week, it seemed like it was gaining momentum. No, I wasn't exactly a huge fan of heading over to Orlando uh, to play at the Cheez-It Bowl. But at the time, we noted there were three opponents that were being bantied about, two of which I took interest in, Texas as well as Oklahoma. Just because of the brand, high-profile nature, I think that certainly those two schools in particular will travel all of that stuff seemed to come to mind. And, and so it turned out we got Oklahoma. Now, on the one hand, Florida State has had a much better season than Oklahoma, and you would have liked to have seen maybe a better matchup. Uh, you can't get a better matchup in terms of brand, but you could get a better matchup in terms of the product on the field. Uh, Oklahoma's defense this year has been dreadful. 
Uh, they have been up and down to say the least, hence their record at six and six for Florida state. Uh, they will head to this game with something still on the line, which is to say they're trying to complete a 10 win year. And I think they'll take this game very seriously and they'll have an opportunity to really move the ball in whatever manner they choose. Because when you watch Oklahoma and I did this year, uh, you note that uh, something happened pretty early in the season and things flipped south for them and they were unable to get stops on a regular basis. Florida State, by the way, this is the 49th bowl appearance uh, for the Knowles. And this game was formerly known as the Blockbuster Bowl, also the Champs Sports Bowl. It's the fourth time that Florida State's played in this bowl. We're 3-0, and by the way, in the Cheez-It Bowl, tied for the most wins in bowl history. The Knowles are the only team to make at least three appearances in the bowl without a loss. We beat Penn State 24-17 to in 1990 in the Blockbuster Bowl. I remember that game, Tom. Uh, the first game in what is now the Cheez-It Bowl history also has – Two wins in the Champs Sports Bowl. You guys remember when we beat Wisconsin 42-13 to in 08, and their coach was bantying about how much tougher they were going to be in the second half. Of course, that didn't turn out to be the case. And then uh, we remember 2011, because you and I were just talking about it, Tom. We beat Notre Dame 18-14 in that game. So it'll be the fifth time in the postseason that we match up with Oklahoma. FSU won the Gator Bowl back in 1965, and Oklahoma has beaten us in every other game we've ever played against them, whether it's the postseason or not. Uh, it has not been a matchup that is balanced. It's been a matchup that has been owned by OU. Huge opportunity to make that two and six instead of one and six all time with a win here and get your 10th win. Yeah, and for the almanacs of the future, when people are going to Seminoles.com or wherever they go to look at the archives, you know, 20, 30 years from now, uh, certainly it'll be warchant.com because we'll just take over the entire market. Sure. Uh, but they're going to say, wow, if we win this football game. In one season, Florida State, do you remember back in 2022, they beat LSU, Miami, Florida, and Oklahoma all in the same year. That's a lot of big-time wins for that program. And yeah. while on the field it may not appear like it normally would from a brand standpoint, I don't give a damn. I do want a season in which I could say we've beaten both SEC teams that we played. We housed our in-state rival. They're still looking for their first touchdown against us. And then we took it to the Big 12, played in Orlando, played against Oklahoma, a brand that and, and a conference that's been pretty tough top to bottom, and we handed uh, Brent Venables a losing season in his first year as the head coach at Oklahoma. I would like that. It is nice to knock off those high-profile programs when you get the opportunity. And it's funny because we'll be right back there in Orlando with a chance to play another high-profile game against LSU to start next year. And that game, it was already extremely well-hyped. The first go-around in New Orleans, given the timing of the game, the circumstances for both programs having shifted, um, both trying to get a leg up. Uh, it was the singular game that night with the country watching. It lived up to the hype, 24-23. You get the, the blocked extra point, the whole deal. And now people will remember that game. They'll harken back when we get closer to the start of football season. Oh, yeah, I remember Florida State and LSU kicked it all off. Uh, get a chance to see them again. This will be a fun game. And who knows what the two teams are going to look like. And that's what today's about. That's what the coming days are about. We're really close to signing day, and the transfer portal is open. And uh, all day long, we'll be monitoring just like you are. As the big news comes in, if we get it, uh, we'll break in. There'll be, there will be an update for you on Warchant TV and Warchant.com. There'll be a story written. There'll be uh, a discussion had, whether it's between me and Tom or me and Aslan or Tom and Ira or whoever. It, it, somebody will be here on staff ready to go and uh, and have these conversations. Yeah, that's all the more reason when you head over to the channel on, on Warchant TV that you hit the bell 
after you subscribe to us because that alerts you every time we go live. You can't keep up with all this stuff. That's our job. Too much stuff, baby. You got work to do. But then your phone could go, oh, look at that. We just got a new transfer, and they're going live. I want to know more about them. That will take you straight to us at Warchan TV. So hit that bell. You can turn it off later. Just turn it on for this month. I got to tell you, though, the things I'm looking forward to the most over the next month of developments, the things that are most critical to Florida State, I think are announcements about guys going pro and guys returning to the program. Like I, The transfer portal stuff is very interesting, and if you look at our success over the last two years, limited last season, but certainly a lot more in 2022, the yeah. transfer portal is, is has so much to do with those successes, it's ridiculous. And so I, I don't poo-poo it, but what I'm saying is to maximize our chances to play for an ACC title next year, to maybe win 10 games plus in the regular season, you got to have some guys coming back here next year that could go on to the pro level or could yeah. transfer, whatever it is. You've got to have those announcements of guys returning to Florida State. And I'm hoping in that this you know next 24 hours, the next week, whenever it is, we're able to report on some of those things because those are humongous dominoes when you're bringing your brain towards going back to Camping World Stadium against LSU. Who's the quarterback? Who are the running backs? Do we have an edge rusher that we didn't expect to come back for another season? All these things are, are, are going to be you know hammered out in the next couple few weeks. Well, we go from something that you cannot poo-poo, Tom, as you noted, to something that I'd like to poo-poo, and it continues to sadden me. Florida State lost to Virginia over the weekend in basketball. That's not the story. The story is that it was really close for a long time, and Florida State could have won the game. They've now played against two top five opponents and played really well in the two games that they lost. The problem is those are two losses in a sea of losses, nine of them to be exact. Florida State's now one and nine. But it doesn't stop there, guys, as far as breaking news goes. Oh, no, how about we lose another player for the year? Why not? Why not join the party of people that have decided this basketball season is not for them? And by decided, I mean, unfortunately, injured or screwed by the NCAA. Cameron Fletcher will miss the remainder of the 2022-2023 season. He suffered a right knee injury late in the second half of the game against Virginia at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville. Of course he did. He is one of the Knowles' most experienced players. Yeah, we don't need that right about now. Averaging over 10 points a game and a team-best seven-and-a-half rebounds per game. Yeah, we don't need that either, right? Great. Fletcher joins a list of six scholarship players that include Bob Miller, the aforementioned screwed by the NCAA suspension. He's set to return January 11th against Wake Forest. Jalen Ganey, ACL, out for the year, was going to be our best defensive player and rebounder and shot blocker prior to his injury. Would have been important for him to play. He didn't. He got hurt before the season started. Chandler Jackson with the thumb. That's the young guard. Uh, the Bimbry kid. His back's not working properly. Naheem McLeod has been hurt with an ankle injury off and on. Deontay Green, ACL, suffered a high, as a high school senior. Missed playing time during the season so far this year. Uh, Jackson, McLeod, and Green have returned to the Knowles lineup, of course. Um but it's been limited time in practice, even when they're out there. Florida State, by the way, plays host to Louisville on Saturday at the TLC Double C as we continue down the road of our ACC schedule. And it is the trail of tears that Florida State finds themselves on because, my goodness gracious, I don't know, Tom, are they going to get to seven wins this year? Would you put the over-under on seven, and would you take the over? They've got one. Uh, I would have if Cameron didn't get hurt, but you, you got to – because you have a Baba for 16 games, whatever it is, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it was a split down 50% down the middle of the season. I got to tell you that as the second half of the game on Saturday was developing, I thought, well, if you can do this against two fo- top five teams and you're going to get Baba back, 
I mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a tournament. You're going to lose too many games, you know, to have an NCAA tournament yeah, but resume. You could be a spoiler, and you could, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you could have one magical week in Greensboro. I mean, maybe you could put it together if you're capable of doing this. But you can't keep losing players, and this is something. Uh, you you said the word tears. I'm going to say it's like tears and rain, my man. That's what this no, season has been. Nice, nice quote. Between yeah. between the injuries and between the sea of losses, you're correct. It's uh, it's just one negative thing after another. I feel like if you actually put this entire program or entire team out there on the floor and rotated them for 40 minutes, you probably are an upper-level ACC squad yes. with, with a chance yes. to go to the NCAA tournament. It just it sucks. We're being told to kick rocks by the basketball gods. What can you do? Repeatedly. Yes, repeatedly. And on that note, as you picture us going to break, picture me as Rutger Hauer with the shirtless Faceless expression, the sadness in his heart as the dove is set to fly away and my tears flow for the Florida State basketball season. That is us right now, me and Tom. We are one reaching down for help. Nobody there to, to latch onto that hand. No, no. Instead, it's just tears and rain and our time is up. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 hold his paw and lonely heart it is made Tom and I were just doing this, and I can imagine the many text exchanges and uh, phone calls and emails that happen on a day like today, really starting late last night when I was deep in slumber. Uh, but this this is like a holiday now, and, and signing day has always had elements of this, right? When you build up the signing day, people get excited about certain um, benchmarks, if you will. But these days, the portal opens at midnight last night and it's a free for all. And of course, because we work for a company like on three and there are many others, uh, this is, this is documented by the second. So what happens is if you just open up your feed, you open up say Twitter or wherever it is, you, you go to follow recruiting. It's just one after the other. And I don't know why, maybe it's like when you're a little kid and somebody else in the room gets a Christmas gift that you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, but I'd like that. I'm kind of pissed they got it, and I didn't. Uh, and all of a sudden, you want the thing that the other kid got that you really hadn't asked for or anything like that at all. It's just that they got it. Because now every time a name pops up, I want the kid. I don't know if he can play a lick. 
<laughs> some of these kids I've never seen play. And I'm like, well, we could use him. I'd like him. If he just plays a position where I thought we were only decent at times this year, I'm immediately drawn to the idea that that kid whom I've never seen play has just entered the portal and he could be the upgrade we need. Well, I, I think <laughs> the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is that a Notre Dame offensive lineman entered the transfer portal two years ago, wasn't a starter, and ended up being our best offensive lineman. So, Correct. you know, in some cases, you just look at the program the kid comes from. Oh, my God. Most a, ta of most of a tackle from Alabama? Yeah, well, what if he's like, you know, the worst tackle in the SEC West, but, you know, he was a, four, a high four-star coming out of high school. It just didn't pan out. Like, do you really want that guy? The Alabama logo says, I absolutely want that guy. You know, if it's a linebacker from, oh, I don't know, the Big Anywhere. Ten. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Big Ten. You're like, oh, it's a Big Ten linebacker. All right. Or it's an SEC linebacker. They're pretty yes. physical in that league. You know what? I don't care that he played for Vandy. I think we could use that linebacker from Vandy. Yeah, it's funny. The only name that popped up where I went, eh, no, we're good was uh, when the Miami receiver, Keyshawn Smith, entered his name into the portal. I was like, eh, yeah, yeah you take it on down the road. Maybe somebody like Georgia Tech will get you. You know, I mean, it was hilarious how I quickly dismissed Miami receivers. But you mentioned linebacker. Virginia linebacker Mike Green has entered the portal. I watched precious little Virginia football this year. I didn't even bet on them a lot this year. When I saw their offense was in shambles, I kind of stopped paying attention to them unless I could make some money on them. So I have no idea if Mike Green is any good at all, but it feels like we need him. He's a linebacker <laughs> in the portal. I feel like he's probably pretty good. We should get him. As soon as I saw his name pop up. I Hey, to your point, Iowa offensive lineman Josh Volk there's a picture of Josh Volk if, you, if you're on on three and you're watching the portal comings and goings like I am all morning. And as soon as you see Big 75 in that Iowa uniform and see that he's entered the portal, he's immediately our best offensive lineman. I promise you that. Get his ass in here. That Iowa, all they do is produce first-round linemen. It's, that's it. That's the only thing they're good at. That and corn. That's it. So, um Pro Football Focus, which we always, always qualify and mm -hmm. say that is not the be-all, end-all when it comes to grading. For example, uh, they don't weight the opponent. Right. So you could have a grade for the season that's in the green, but it's because you had a 95 rating against Duquesne. And every Correct. other game, you're in the yellow or the red. But like, well, you did play that one game against Duquesne. <laughs> that's not going to help us. That's not going to help us. Why do I bring up Pro Football Focus? Well, in a situation like when somebody enters the transfer portal, you say – Pro Football Focus knows. They know exactly how good this kid is. And you do take their grades as gospel when you're shopping. It's almost like you're looking at the price per ounce in the grocery store. You're like, oh, look at that. It is 16 cents per ounce. Over here with this kind of sweet relish, it's 19 cents per ounce. I think I'm going to go with the 16 cents per ounce. Well, and you and I are going to end up having this game where I'm going to be like, all right, Tom, do you have your PFF ready and whatever other – usage, uh, whatever group you're, you're utilizing. I've got the portal in front of me. All right, quick, Indiana tight end, A.J. Barner. He has officially entered his name into the portal. We do need tight ends. I don't know if Indiana's tight end is any good at all. Indiana sucks. 
but he might not suck. What's PFF tell you about Indiana tied in A.J. Barner, who has now entered his name into the transfer portal? That tells me that he's okay. He can't block, though. Can't block a lick. Okay, we have too many of those guys. Uh, we don't need A.J. Sorry, A.J., his you're blocking, moving on. His blocking grade against Penn State was an 18, although his pass blocking grade against Ohio State was a 72. Unbelievable. What, what a turnaround. Okay. Michigan State defensive lineman Jalen Hunt. He's number 99. He looks huge. I think we need defensive linemen, Tom. Quick, what does Michigan State defensive lineman Jalen Hunt rate out at, according to PFF? Uh, Jalen Hunt has played no snaps. Okay. All right. Looks good in the uniform, but has not played. All right, Jalen. We're moving on to another oh, lineman. Wait, wait a minute. Pro Football Focus is dumb. So if you're, <laughs> they will send you, I was just in the offensive grade section and I oh. changed players and it's like Jalen Hunt on offense. Well, no, he's, he's a no, defender. Yes. We want defense. Uh, he's got some tackling issues. Does Jalen Hunt uh, did not tackle well against Illinois and Rutgers PFF grades under 30, but against Washington and Minnesota and Indiana, he had tackling grades over 70. His pass rush grade, though, is in the orange for the most part. So, Well, he's, he's a giant. I don't need him rushing the passer. Um, Deshaun Mallory, Michigan State defensive end, looks like a horse. Number 94. I'm sure we need him. Tell me why we need him or don't, Tom. Again, another terrible tackling run from Ohio State through Michigan. Those three games, the grade was under 30, sir. Uh, but then he, he finished strong against Penn State. He had a 76.1 overall grade. Okay. Squarely in the green. Got better as the season went along. Well, for that matter, Clemson defensive end Kevin Swint has officially entered the <laughs> portal. Come on down, Kevin. We could use some defensive ends. This is from Clemson. Kevin Swint, what grade do we have for you, sir? Uh, Kevin Swint is, is not used all that often the most snaps he has in any single game this year was against Furman when he played 30 against power five competition his most snaps in a game was 23 in the opener against Georgia Tech so largely unknown this player well damn it man <laughs> <laughs> this is not helping us um yeah anyhow I'm laughing because this is what we're going to do it will go on all day every day until the portal's closed until it is officially – whenever that happens. I don't know when that happens. Never. It's just the portal stays open from now until the end of time. Yeah, but there are windows. So I, this window is either 60 days or 90 days, and then you do one after spring ball and the summer and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's going to get exhausting if we have 60 days worth of, I think we should get that kid. <laughs> hey, he plays at a position where I feel like we're lacking. We should get him. Yeah, that's the one thing. <laughs> Michael stressed last night when uh, we did an extended, it was almost like a recruiting chat and a transfer portal chat with Michael Langston. And he said, look, they're going to be judicious with the spots that they use here. You don't have the allowance like last season in the portal where you had, I think it was seven more than the 25 player mm -hmm. allotment. So you're working on a hard budget of 25 new bodies in this program this off season between high school and the portal combined. And, you know, it's not a, run to the shelves and, and grab the Tickle Me Elmo on the Monday that the transfer portal opens in December kind of deal here. It's you might find a few players you like right now, 
But then you might have a couple of guys emerge after spring ball, and then there could be some graduates in the summer too. So unfortunately, while we all, especially those Gen Zers out there, want it now, you could get maybe a morsel or two now, but this is a process that's going to play out between December and as late as maybe May or June of next year. Look up Chris Collins from North Carolina, Tom. What is Chris Collins' uh, ranking there? While we're at it, there's a Washington defensive lineman. And if I'm going to use my overly generous and kind stereotype that all Samoan-born men are dominant men that are much greater than me, uh, by that standard, I want the guy who just became available from Washington as well. His name is Kua Piapoa. And I guess by the name alone, he is a dominant defender. There is no such thing as a Samoan-born player that isn't elite. So that is just the rules. I don't make the rules. That's just the reality of our world. So Chris Collins is uh, not what we need. Judging by pro football focus, which is not the gospel, but for today's purposes is absolutely – we are literalists around here. And Chris Collins is not what we need. Inconsistent as all get out. Uh, but but Kuawa Piopopa is exactly what we need. You know, Pro Football Focus doesn't help me <laughs> by saying, did you mean to spell his name this way? I would need you to spell the name for me. In yes, order- P-E-I-H-O-P-A. All right. Also there known as Dominant Defensive Lineman. 6'3", <laughs> 304. Dominant. Uh, he's only played in four games this year. Nary a good grade in a single You know why? Game. He's stuck behind another dominant Samoan. What is he supposed to do? <laughs> you can't get any playing time. It's tough. He hasn't played since week four. I don't know if that's he's injury. He's on his or, way yeah. to Tallahassee. That's the guy we need right there. He can dominate, guaranteed. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Can I put a hashtag in here? Very positive stereotyping on my part. Stereotyping nonetheless. Hashtag any Samoan that pops up in the portal. Then I'm like, ah, there's one. Quick, get him in here. You know he's better than everybody else. You're like an inactive housewife or house husband in the Girl Scout <laughs> cookie season. In the Girl Scout cookie season. And they're, they're all about them Samoas. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's uh. You know, it's been a long-standing belief of mine. It usually comes true. Even Vita, we were like, "Who's Vita? He's just a dominant player." You knew that just as soon as you saw the name. Um, all right, so that's the portal fun that will be going on for weeks on end. And in essence, what you got a glimpse of was my Twitter account and people sending me notices that this guy is available because I get one every time a player becomes available. There is an at Jay Cameron show. What about him? And I'm not responding to them because usually I see them in bunches at the end of the day. I'm like, there's 27 of these, and they're all players that I've never heard of. I don't know, man. (laughs) Maybe he's good. I didn't watch a lot of Texas State this year, but I'm sure he was productive. (laughs) Yeah, you know, not to be uh, the serious guy, but I I will be for just a moment. I'm kind of sad on a day like today because I think a lot of these kids – are never going to play college football again, or they're never going to be un- under scholarship ever again. I, I don't know that there are enough homes for all. I-, I get that there is more horse trading now in this transfer market than ever before, and the windows help define how crazy and chaotic this could be. But, I mean, 
This feels like a game of musical chairs where there's ten people and maybe five oh. chairs. You know, there's five people that are going to go home disappointed after this round and devastated at, at that. We kind of talk, talked about, Tom, that this was all at once good, but also potentially really humbling for a lot of players. And, and I think it's more than they realize. I think you're going to read stories. We're going to move forward now. We know about the success stories. We know about the Jermaine Johnsons and the guys that have gone to different schools. At, you know, obviously, you've seen it all around college football this year, in particular USC. But there are a lot of teams that got a bunch of transfer portal guys to come in, and um, and and those success stories are highlighted every time. But what's not highlighted are the you know hundreds of guys that decided they were unhappy somewhere, left, never to be heard from again and or lost, end up, ended up walking away from a scholarship to go somewhere else, and they don't get that call. And all of a sudden, you know, you're reading about sad sob stories. But, hey, listen, this was always going to be the case once we fought hard for people to be able to come and go as they please and to get paid. It becomes a much more cutthroat industry than it already was. Yeah. With avenues, more choices, but cutthroat nonetheless. At this point, you're kind of like, a free agent who nobody signs. Yeah, it, and it's almost like you're sending yourself to JUCO. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of these kids are being encouraged to enter the portal, and that's part of a, a large and significant percentage, and significant, not insignificant, percentage of a, these kids that are in the ticker today. But it used to be that that was a quiet processing or medical DQ that would see the kid move from one institution down to a lower level of FCS or mm -hmm. whatever to JUCO. But I think that's what's happening for a large swath of these players here today is that they're sending themselves down to a level that they didn't expect that they would be going to. But, hey, the system is now more honest. I like that. Is it fully honest? No, it never will be. But it's a hell of a lot more transparent than it used to be, which is a really positive thing for me. Because as somebody who's been behind the scenes now for almost 15 years, and you've been around behind the scenes for a lot longer than that, when you first get into the business of college football and college sports, you, you get a little dirt on your hands. You're like, oh, man, this, is, yeah. this, this isn't as innocent and, and pageantry-laden as I thought it was. This is like when you walk on the field for a junior day at Jimbo Fisher's camp 10 years ago like I did, I go, ooh. I don't feel comfortable out here. This yeah. Is, well, this I stopped doing it a long time ago because of that. Um, I still do this job, but we do it. We're luckily, uh, we're able to do the job. We got a staff big enough that allows us to cover it in a lot of different uh, directions. Uh, I don't go out to the camps that you're talking about. But, but now, I don't do it. But, the, yeah. you know, that's you can now say the quiet part out loud. You know, that's yeah. the thing I like about this system is that doesn't have to feel as queasy anymore because everybody understands what's going on and, and it's yeah. out in the open. Yeah, it's just a, a meat market now at the college level or high school level in the way that it is in the NFL where they poke and prod you at the, uh, at the, big, uh, at the big meet and greet uh, in Indianapolis, although it moves around now, right? They don't have the draft uh, workout. Oh, are they, are they moving it around? Well, I thought they were going to try to move it around. I, I know it's been in Indianapolis in the past. I just It's like always in Indianapolis. Maybe they should move it to Vegas to be a test to see if these <laughs> players can be more accountable and it, you know if they can help themselves. That's almost cruel and unusual <laughs> to send a bunch of young, soon-to-be-rich, good-looking guys out to Las Vegas. Hey, don't do anything. Don't do anything crazy out here.
<laughs> Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So it's the Cheez-Its Bowl, and we should talk about it. Tom, we haven't yet uh, spent a lot of time on it. Anyhow, it was just in reference. How did you enjoy your college football experience this weekend? It felt weird. I enjoyed games. I watched games. I was kind of nonchalant. It felt good not to have the intensity surrounding a game weekend that you have every Saturday when Florida State plays. But it also, I don't know, I found myself kind of wandering and thinking about uh, a lot of other things. The games themselves, you had a couple of great games. Admittedly, the Kansas uh, State TCU game was riveting. I, I couldn't stop watching that game. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but I also thought about it going into that game that, you know, as long as TCU doesn't get boat raced, they're going to the playoff either way. It is awfully odd to to it's the world we live in now. I mean, it's, it's, it's true of last year too, with Georgia and Alabama. And, you know, it's just kind of like you realize some of these conference championship games don't mean anything. Yeah. Especially when USC gets destroyed the night before. I mean, that opened the door for TCU. Now, if USC had beaten Utah, then what we're watching in the big 12 championship game is, is entertaining on multiple fronts. You'd be like, Oh my God, this is a trapeze act with no net underneath. There's no safety net here. Uh, you know, wh- where my mind went when it was not thinking about the football in front of me, and I enjoyed this weekend of football more than most any uh, this entire year when I'm talking about non-Florida State. I was able to just immerse myself yeah. in a way I-, I haven't. But imagine being the number 13 or 14 team in the country like Florida State entering this weekend looking for two specific results, and those results would be USC chalk winning out in Las Vegas and then TCU chalk winning out in Arlington and getting neither of those results in a world two years from now with a 12-team playoff. My God, that's what's going to happen in the not-so-distant future, and that gets me really excited. Like I understand the pushback idea on the 12-team playoff versus maybe something smaller like a 6 or an 8, but I got to tell you, in Florida State's specific position this football season, that Florida game in week 12 takes on a different meaning and it, because they're playing the role of spoiler. So the second half of that game, we're already locked in. We want to beat the hell out of the Gators. That's what we do, uh, want to do every single season. But if it had playoff implications and the balance on top of it, yeah, Doak would have felt even, diff- even more different and intense. And then this past weekend, we would have done a watch party as Knowles. We did it way back when, the first year of the college football playoff, when we had Go Nerds, Stanford versus Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Or uh, was it? Yeah, it was Stanford versus Oregon, and that was Thursday night football at a bar near you down Mahan. 
back when Thursday Night Football actually had some decent games that they no longer put on uh, Thursday Night Football. We did yeah. that because we were scared that they were going to leave us out of the playoff as an undefeated team, right? Uh, or was that well, that might have been the championship season of 13, but whatever, whatever it was, we needed help, we felt, and so we did a watch party. That's what would have happened this past weekend for Noel fans, and we would have come away devastated. So I, I was just watching that process as it played out, and I thought, my God, in two years, this stuff's going to be on crack, like all of it. I have great admiration for that Utah program um, and what Kyle Whittingham does there. And when they're healthy and right, they, you just do not chalk up wins against them. Yeah. People talked about that going into that game, like, oh, well, you know, Southern Cal will get their revenge now that uh, the two teams have played some more and we see what Southern Cal is. And they lost in heartbreaking fashion on the road at night the first time around in Utah. They'll get their revenge this weekend. No, man, that, that USC defense has been a sieve all year long. And I know they got out to a lead, but if you don't, if you don't get stops, you can lose to anybody. I say that all the time. If you can't get stops, you can lose to anybody. And they really couldn't get stops against that Utah team, which is a tougher team than Southern Cal. I mean, physically tougher. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm not real surprised that that was the result. I thought the K-State TCU game would be great. We talked about that on uh, last week. I thought I even said to, to Lee, like, I don't know, man. I feel like K-State is the side here because they should have won the first time around 28-10. But we could not have gotten uh, a better game because it featured yeah. – both those programs doing what they've done well all year long, being tough in big moments, rising to the occasion, playing well uh, when you have to play well. Your quarterback, Duggan, was borderline heroic um, for, for the last drive to get down there to tie it up in the two-point conversion. Uh, I thought the entire game was as good a college football as I had seen that year. I was really, really enjoying that. And it was cool to be able to enjoy it and not have to worry about what we were doing later in the day. Nope, just watching college football, just flipping around, doing our thing, having a good time. Yeah, it was a 44-7 uh, to run for Utah on Friday night to close out that game. It was 17-3, and I thought for a moment, because the game, even though it was 17-3, I was just locked in. It felt better than the, than the yeah. spread on the, on the scoreboard. It felt like it was going to be a, a dogfight, and I thought, man, I could get a whole lot of value on Utah right now live, but I didn't have the guts to do it. And, of course, Caleb Williams getting hurt plays a large role in, in how this game finishes and whether or not it came down to the you know final possession or instead it, it was just a, a runaway. But it got really interesting there for a moment when it was 27-24, and you're thinking, man, is this kid going to do this on one leg? Like, wow, because that drive was the most impressive thing that Caleb Williams has done. I think it's going to make him an even more dangerous prospect moving forward is he learned how to go down, score against a physical defense without his primary fallback option, which is himself. I've got to find a way to deliver some throws under duress with one leg. And it was kind of that weekend, honestly, you know, uh, in, in three different games, you've got hobble quarterbacks who are trying to gut it out and they're unable to do so. Duggan being the closest to actually winning the football game. But TCU was another example. And then Daniels for LSU, who was hurt before the game even started. And then they end up going to Nussmeyer, who maybe they've discovered something there in Baton Rouge because Nussmeyer right. looked pretty impressive. But even though some of these games were blowouts, and the SEC championship game of all the Power Five, for all we talk about the greatness of the SEC and the parody, that game more often than not is a blowout and annoying. And just kind of this also-ran feature film on a weekend where you usually have some serious drama. But I was just enthralled, especially with the finish of TCU-Kansas State. I thought that game started slowly, 
And then even for a little while, just a little while, uh, both the 8 o'clock window games were interesting. They, they held my attention long enough to get to halftime and out of halftime. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, um, North Carolina couldn't sustain anything against Clemson, and you end up getting a blowout game there. Interesting that DJ has entered the portal. They have clearly uh, moved on, uh, and he knew it too. Uh, unfortunately, he had one of his best games of the season against us, and uh, that is going to remain aggravating well and and the scout i'll never i'll never back down from the scout before that game he's playing well period he was, he was playing, playing well. really well the yeah. wake forest game was super impressive and I, I don't care that wake you know defensively it can be a sieve at times the throws he was making into the tight windows were there. oh yeah he played really well so he was trending well but they had to treat him with kit gloves right and then when they didn't and that was the syracuse game the turning point he was broken so it was a very fragile thing and for the third time now in his tenure as Clemson's head coach, which has been replete with national championships and college football playoff berths, the fan base can say, GD Dabo, what the hell is wrong with you? We did this with Cole Stout and Deshaun Watson. We did this with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. And we've now done it again with DJ and Klubnik. Will you, for the love of God, come off of your stubborn pulpit? Because if you did... He completed eight passes, DJ did, against South Carolina. You put Klubnik in that game, they're the ones that might be in the playoff and not Ohio State. It would have been close. If It's it's an interesting discussion. I had this exact same conversation uh, with my father. We were talking about college football late Sunday evening, late last night, kind of having a conversation about our bowl plans and everything else, What's gonna you know whether or not he's going to come to Orlando. We were just talking about the seasons of the three teams in the state, talked about the upper echelon of the ACC, talked about how close or not Florida State is to being an elite program again. And as we were going through all of this and kind of taking inventory, uh, I brought up Clemson and I said, you know, the weirdest thing, if you're a Clemson fan, you certainly cannot argue that these have been the glory days of your program. You have, you have become a program you always wanted to be but never were. You had one little snapshot in, in the 80s for two seconds, and that was it. This was the program you always dreamt you'd be and you deserve credit for. As Tom alluded to, national championships, plural, they don't get beat in the ACC uh, very often. They win the conference every effing year. It's getting old. Even when they play poorly, they win the conference. They just won the conference again, and we don't think they're that good. It's just what they do. That's what elite programs are. It's what we used to be when we would play poorly, and people were like, Florida State doesn't look real good. Oh, yeah. No, they're 11 and 1. <laughs> you know, Florida State didn't play real well this year. Yeah, they went 10 and 2. That's about the worst they could have done. You know, it's like it's that's where they're at. So, on the one hand, you're still puffing your chest out and, and you're saying, look, for all the shots we take at Clemson because my head coach is a doofus and uh, because we've, you know, had moments like we had with DJ. You're still you're still conference champions. You still blew Mac Brown and North Carolina out, and they have the best offense in the conference. And it really didn't turn out to be that competitive of a football game. You still beat Florida State in Tallahassee, and allegedly Florida State's back. Like I'm looking at it from a Clemson fan standpoint. I'm like, okay, it's gonna be all right. On the other hand, you are frustrated because it could be the telltale signs of the problems you've known that all always existed, but were made up for by an elite staff that Dabo had assembled. But now that staff is gone. 
That staff is – nobody's looking at that staff going, hmm, that's the envy of college football right now. Instead, they're looking at that staff with a jaundiced eye and seeing these cracks and moments in time where he's costing them games. He's costing them opportunity. He's costing them a chance to be in the college football playoff. That's the other side of that coin where you go, if we had just started the correct quarterback, we're in the playoff, Dabo. So you see where I'm going with this. Like You can be that good and that consistently good to, to warrant all the praise and to fall back into a 10-2 and two disappointment of a season, all while making all these poor decisions. That's how good you are. Yep. On the other hand, you just cost us a chance to go to the college football playoff because your stubborn ass didn't want to have to hear it from the media who was right all along about your quarterback. Yeah, and that's the, uh, that's the fun part is uh, we continue to have these discussions and Dabo doesn't let them slide. You know, he doesn't let these situations ever slide, whereas the head coach here in Tallahassee is accountable and says, I screwed up even at halftime of a game. He did that this year, so that's my fault. Mm -hmm. Or he'll say that we didn't handle things the right way on a Monday. You don't have the opportunity to take a dig at Mike Norvell very often in his tenure here, even though there are more losses in his first three years than we can really remember. I couldn't recite to you all of the losses he's had well, in the first they, years. They, they mounted. There are a ton of them, and a couple of them are of the unforgivable rank and, and level, mm -hmm. but he's always accountable, and Dabo is indignant. Dabo is – he shows his ass often. He well, does it every year at the ACC kickoff, one way or the other. He did it again this year. You know, 10 wins when I first started would have been great, but, you know, now they want to throw me out for a 10-win 10 10 season. That's correct, Dabo, because yeah. the standard has been reset. Screw you and grow up and get a life. Yeah, you're not a victim of your circumstances when you are the one who's created a new bar and it's a bar of excellence that everybody would love to be held to, understanding that it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic for Nick Saban to expect to win a national championship every year. But those Bama fans, those Bama boosters, those people that sell out every game, the people that allow for him to make uh, 10 to $20 million a year – uh, are going to hold you to that standard, and you wouldn't have them do it any other way. Don't lament it. Don't bitch about it. Understand you're the reason that the standard is that great now. I mean, that, that's it's just not a hard thing. I mean, that's what all coaches, what all people would want. If we had the number one rated talk show in America, there'd be a lot of things that were negative about that and a ton more that would be very positive about that. And it wouldn't do us a lot of good to sit down and say, oh, well, you know, sorry I didn't have a great show yesterday. It's just the most popular show in all the land. I, I guess I'll try to do Yeah, It's just ridiculous. Like, let it go, man. It's okay. Yeah, you talk You're not about, a victim of your success. You talk about entitlement, right? Because he loves to talk about entitlement. That is the epitome of entitlement. Yeah. And you know what? Enjoy that the whole offseason, Dabo. The questions and the undertones of, boy, if especially if Klubnik plays well in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee and against that defense, he's got he a real opportunity. Will. Yeah. How about that, Dabo? You have a, you have an opportunity to uh, to sit on that in a postgame press conference. Well, I mean, how impressive has Cade been? Has he always been this impressive in practice? Oh, buddy, I can't wait. A whole nine months of him having to be a smarmy jerk because he made the wrong call about the quarterback and cost himself a shot in the playoff this year. Well, it's these are the problems we want to have, though. And, and, and to get to that place where we're winning the conference every year and there are question marks about a singular game or a singular moment during a season where you go, ah, if we had made a better decision here or had we made the choice to do this instead of that, that's where we want to get to. On the one hand, I'm envious of that with Clemson, admittedly. On the other there are legitimate things that draw your ire from Dabo because he's a a guy who's capable of 
saying any number of dumb things and having it circle back on him. And then he ends up having to walk it back. And it's always hilarious. And it is fun for us to observe, but it's more fun when we're the team that is being picked on because our perhaps eccentric head coach or whatever he would be described as at a given time is winning and not knowing how to handle winning in a manner that is respectable or appreciated by the masses. Good. Let's get to that problem. I want to have that problem. I agree. But is eccentric a, uh, a synonym for um, dumb or ignorant? I don't know. Maybe it is. Could be well, wrong. nobody thinks Dabo's eccentric. That was just me looking for a descriptor. <laughs> yeah, they think Dabo is, uh, well. <laughs> he's smart in some I, regards. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you got to Oh, he's really that. good at recruiting. I just think yeah. he's disingenuous and that it's hollow. I, I think we both know that. But, mm. um, but it doesn't matter if we know it. You know, recruits haven't figured that out for a long time. Although half that roster's in the portal, so maybe they are figuring it out. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.